of Sales and Marketing at Apellis, and we're going to talk a little bit um, about commercial strategy um, for the startup community. And I am acutely aware, as Adrian said, that we are standing between you and cocktail hour. So we promise that um, this really um, experienced and engaging panel um, will keep you riveted, and I am sure that this program um, will answer a lot of questions that you have about commercial strategy. And you know, you may not hear microperimetry or um, molecular bioswitching. You may not hear about apoptosis, um, but you will hear um, about the fact that regulatory approval, which seems to be often that milestone you think is the end, is actually really the beginning. And so whether you are going to commercialize or threaten to commercialize, um, there are a lot of considerations for you. And so I can tell you at Apellis where we were very pleased to have the first product approved for geographic atrophy this year that our um, launch strategy and commercial strategy went exactly as we planned. If you know anything about our year this year, you'll know that's probably not the case. So how can we be nimble? So what I'd like to do is get started. We'll ask a few questions, and I'll ask my panelists to introduce themselves um, before they answer their first question, um, just to keep us, keep us moving along. So Paul, um, let's start with you. Uh, so we talk about commercial strategy, and you know, when is early? How early is too early? When do we bring on a commercial strategy as a startup? Firstly, thank you for uh, inviting me onto the panel. Paul Bresky, CEO and co-founder of Ray Therapeutics, an optogenetic gene therapy company for blinding diseases. Um, I mean, in my opinion, there there is no such thing as too early. Um, I think I learned you know, pretty early in this field uh, how to distinguish between essentially a really great science experiment and a drug development program. And I think that needs to be taken into consideration right from the very beginning. There's amazing science that you know, comes out of academia, for example. And um, yeah, I think one has to step back and say, what is the reality of this actually becoming a commercial product? How are the pharma companies going to evaluate it? Uh, so there, you know, again, just there is no, no such thing as too early. Great. Thank you. And Todd, obviously Centricity is, is on the market, um, but talk to us a little bit about um, when you believe that commercial strategy should get started. Yes. Um, uh, Todd Pinckney, good evening everyone. I'm the Chief Commercial Officer for uh, Centricity Vision, and um, we're the makers of the Zeptolink technology, and we're just located uh, up the road in uh, Carlsbad. And we, we actually uh, just went through the commercial strategy uh, process recently in preparation for the uh, launch of our latest technology, uh, Zeptolink, uh, which we just launched last month. Um, but, you know, I agree. I, I don't think you can be too early when it comes to uh, strategy development and, and creation. Uh, when you think about it, your, your strategy is going to continue to uh, evolve and um, based on uh, internal and external, um, you know, pressures, um, you have to recalibrate at, at, at times. So um, I, I think the earlier you can be, um, the more forward thinking you can be around the, the planning process, uh, the greater uh, for success. Um, I mean, we, we started really early with our commercial development process. It, it was basically uh, pre-development. Um, we got involved um, during the usability and focus groups, and we continue to be involved on the uh, product and design phase. 
through uh, the re regulatory process and, and so forth. Uh, and ultimately, we were able to complete this, um, the development, design phase, the regulatory process, and ultimately a 510K clearance uh, in less than one year. And that was because we got involved early with the strategy development. Thanks, Todd. Mm -hmm. So, Carrie, at Elios, um, what key elements do you believe define a strategy for a robust commercial strategy? Sorry. Thanks, Beth. Uh, my name is Carrie Stone. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for Elios Vision. Uh, we have an eczema laser for glaucoma. Uh, currently, CE marked in Europe and uh, in the process of FDA approval here in the U.S., uh, anticipating approval in Q1 of uh, 2025. Um, I think there are a few key elements um, to a commercialization strategy. The first is really defining whether you're entering uh, an existing market or you're creating an absolutely uh, new market. Because uh, that will really depend on how you approach your, your value proposition, which I think is the next really important element. Um, and if you're entering an established market, uh, you really have to identify what value drivers um, are you offering the market that are different than the products are, that are already existing on the market. Um, if you're creating a new market, uh, you really have to think about what value you're bringing uh, that will actually change behavior. Because in some cases, um, people are doing nothing about the disease and you actually have to uh, get them to actually care, which can be really difficult. Um, the next step I think is important is sizing the opportunity. So what's the size of the prize? Um, and again, if the market is already established, it's kind of easy to look at the marketplace and say, okay, this is the piece of the pie we think we can get or we think we can grow the market. Um, but if it's a new market, it's a little more difficult uh, to do that. Uh, next key step is it's pricing in my mind. So where are you gonna price a product? Um, are you gonna price it above because you think the value proposition you have is better than the competition? Or are you gonna go for a volume play and uh, price it you know, slightly lower uh, and, and, and take, uh, take more volume? Um, and then uh, lastly is to go to market strategy. So uh, what is your Salesforce size and structure gonna look like? Um, what is your you know, target customer look, uh, list gonna look like? And ultimately, what is your uh, marketing plan? Great, thanks, Harry. Aziz, anything to add on key elements? Sure, um, Aziz Matawala, the Chief Commercial Officer at Tarsus, uh, where we just launched the first approved product for Demodex Blepharitis, Xdemvi. Um, I'll also note that I've been in the eye care space a long time, spent more than half my career at Allergan, where I had the uh, great pleasure of working with these two <laughs> folks, so it's a, it's a lot of fun to be here, so thanks for that opportunity. Um, I think, you know, Carrie hit on some great points, uh, understanding the market size. I think within that, really understanding who the addressable patients are, right? A lot of folks and companies, um, and you see this with early stage companies, they, they come to the market with a really large TAM, and as you speak to investors, they become very savvy, right? They wanna know, okay, what is really the addressable patient population within that TAM? So I think being very specific with who the ideal patients are. I think secondly is understanding reimbursement and pricing. You hit the nail on the head, Carrie. You get one shot to price your product, right? You don't wanna have to go out to the market and have to reprice things. It's never a good thing. So you get one shot to really understand your value proposition and price it the right way. I think market education is another really important thing. And I think this is relevant. A lot of people will refer to what Tarsus has done, market education, because it's a new category. But I would argue that even in an established category, you need to educate the market to understand your unique value proposition and how that's gonna change outcomes for patients and for clinicians. So education, regardless of a new category or an established category is critical. 
And the last thing I'll say is, is team, hiring the right team. And I would tell you of all the things we've done at Tarsus, this is the one that I look back on and say, you know, when Bobby, our CEO, and I started chatting early, we made it very intentional to be very different here. Um, we had eye care expertise at the table, so we went out of our way to bring new thinking. So when you look at our commercial leadership, for instance, there's, of course, eye care expertise, but we went and hired people from biotech and pharma that didn't have eye care experience, but were very savvy at creating new markets, launching products. And I can tell you there's fundamental components of our strategy today and launch that would not have happened if we had a more homogenous, eye care-focused leadership team. Having that external view come to the team, I think, was a real differentiator in our strategy. Thanks, Aziz, and I, I couldn't agree more that when the disease state education, especially in a new category, is paramount, but not to be ignored in an existing one, absolutely. So Adam, any other key elements you'd like to mention? Yeah, thank you, Beth. Thank you, OIS, uh, for the chance to be here. I'm Adam Sharana, CEO of TrueCare Medical. We're a corneal health uh, diagnostics company, formerly TierLab. Been in the ophthalmic specialty for about 17 years. Spent most of that time at Alcon, uh, specializing in various commercialization of products, business units. Um, so really looking forward to uh, this meeting. Um, lots of good points brought up already. Um, I, I think there's three simple things I typically always look for in a commercialization strategy. Uh, the first is just clarity of focus on the real problem that you're trying to solve for. And you know the old trope that customers don't buy a quarter inch drill, they buy the quarter inch hole. And I think a lot of strategy fails to spend enough time articulating that customer focused problem they're starting for at the onset. And that can take you off track very quickly because you'll fall in love with the product or the idea rather than the real customer problem. Um, so keeping that as a North Star. Uh, the second thing, if you have that focus, I think really good strategy is the discipline of making challenging trade-offs and choices. So it's not just knowing here's the things we're going to do, but equally important, here's the three, four, five things we're definitely not going to do. Because eventually you're going to get hit with that, that alluring siren of incrementalism. Why don't we just also sell to this customer segment and also do these marketing tactics over in this geography? And it sounds easy to say yes because you think it's adding, but it's actually destroying value, especially for a startup with limited time and resources. So you need to think in terms of the net economic profit, not just the top line and bottom line, which means thinking about the opportunity cost of that next dollar and that next hour. And if it's not going toward that optimal strategy that you identified, it's, dis it's, it's accelerating destruction of value in the organization. And I think that ruins a lot of good strategies. Uh, and then last, I like Aziz's comments on team. Uh, for me, I just, you know, commercialization's hard. You're gonna make thousands of decisions with very limited information available. You're gonna make mistakes. We've all made probably every mistake imaginable. So just making sure that there's a good sense of humility, no egos on the team. Uh, that you're not going to fall too much in love with your ideas, um, that you'll be equally fast to put you know, your own ideas maybe on the chopping block and kill it if need be. You have to be ready to adapt and learn. So those are the three things I always like to see in a strategy. That's great. Fantastic. So that was a little bit about internal. When we think about external, those important collaborations, Carrie, when we think about whether it's HCP, ECP collaborations or regulatory bodies, what are some considerations there we should keep in mind? Yeah, I think it's really important uh, to collaborate early with clinicians. And I think the secret sauce about ophthalmology, and I've been in a lot of specialties, is uh, the collaboration between industry and clinicians. Uh, it's a really special place. And so bringing them in early uh, to the commercial and clinical strategy is really important. Uh, creating advisory boards where you're getting 
uh, you know, intimate feedback on the strategy you're developing. You're doing it hand in hand with clinicians. Uh, I think it's really important, um, and the opportunity to get their hands on the technology, if it's a med device or maybe, uh, you know, the pharmaceutical product, uh, if, if it's that, so they can speak, you know, on podiums and forums like this, uh, even pre-approval uh, and post-approval on behalf of, of your company. Awesome. Aziz, anything to add? Yeah, I think um, in, in addition to, you know, what Carrie's talking about, I, I totally agree. And I think that's one of the great things about eye care, ophthalmology, optometry. Um, the feedback loop is tremendous, right? The, the feedback that you're willing to get. I think the one opportunity that folks have is to continue to cast a broad net. Um, obviously, we have great thought leadership in the space, but I always challenge the team to um, talk to some of the non-obvious clinicians, the folks that aren't on the typical advisory boards because those are the folks that will, at the end of the day, make or break your technology, right? They're the ones that are actually be doing a lot of the volume as well. So hearing from them, and you'd be surprised sometimes the candor and feedback you can get from somebody that's not used to being at the table. Um, it, it's actually quite remarkable. So I'd encourage folks to take that even a step further and do that. And I think the other key external party, it, it was touched on earlier in the glaucoma session, is payers. You have to understand how this is gonna get paid for. and. I would say of all the areas uh, beyond education, the, the payer and reimbursement landscape is dynamic, it's, it's challenging, and understanding how you're gonna play in that space very early on can be very important. It can inform how you think about dosing in a study, even in phase two or phase three. Um, it can talk about how you're gonna present your product. Um, I talked about being able to price once and only once. So all these things are really critical in an early stage for commercial um, company that's ambitious to be commercial and understanding that payer dynamic because that will make or break any new technology. And even if it's a cash pay, understanding what the market will bear in terms of pricing. Absolutely. So those were all um, important um, things that we should incorporate, um, best practices. Um, let's talk a little bit about those pitfalls and those challenges. Todd? Yeah, I think... Um one pitfall or challenge that I can think about is, um, especially when you're launching, and especially being a uh, small startup company, is uh, going too fast and too far. Um, I mean, the, the Zepta technology that we just launched is vastly different from the previous technology. It's the previous technology that's now fully integrated into the FACO machine, and the entire procedure is controlled through the FACO pedal in a matter of seconds. And you know, as a st small startup company like Centricity Vision with you know, limited resources, we, we can't just hit a reset button and get a do-over. Uh, we gotta be very purposeful about our execution and, and, and taking our time. And that's what we did. So we had a select group of uh, accounts, a select group of surgeons that we approached first. Um, we uh, tracked our first 700 cases to make sure we're seeing the outcome that we wanted to see. Um, then we took those learnings to help build our broader commercial strategies. And ultimately, we got to our execution strategy that involved training, sales execution, uh, resource allocation, and so forth. So I would say that can be a big pitfall, um, going too fast, going too broad, uh, too quickly. Thank you. Adam, anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I love this topic of pitfalls because I feel like I've probably fallen in so many of them commercializing <laughs> products over the years. Um, for me, there, there's two that I think about quite a bit, and they're both stemming from the importance of keeping a very customer-centric approach throughout the development of the strategy. Uh, and the first is, is letting things 
bake too long in the ivory tower, thinking that that approval is when your strategy is going to be revealed to the world and everything is going to go perfect, as you joked at the beginning, Beth, that's so true. Uh, and what I mean by that is in, in product development, they use this concept, this room is probably familiar with, called minimum, minimum viable product, where you're constantly testing the next most basic assumption and validating it or pivoting. And that same concept needs to apply in strategy. You don't need to wait for launch. You should be in market immediately testing and validating the most basic next belief for your assumption about your strategy to be correct. And you can do that with satisfaction surveys, you can do that with focus groups, you can hang out for a day in an OR or a clinic. Um, and I think that's really important because you can, you can start collecting that data and those insights. Uh, and then I think the second pitfall is as that data comes in, uh, I, I think it's true for me in the past, we all have a tendency to focus so much on the averages in a data set. I'm a data nerd like a lot of folks in this room here. Uh, but real insights are going to come from the tails of the distribution curve. So you don't want to pay attention to data that says, well, look, the average satisfaction score was this, and now it's this, or the average sales per location are this. The real insights that will help you optimize your strategy and get really focused on where you're going to win are going to come from those on the far right or the far left. Who loves you? Who's using five times the product, five times the satisfaction score? And what are the beliefs that you see there that differ from the people on the far other side? So. I'd say uh, get in market quickly, test the assumptions, and pay attention to the outliers. Fantastic, thanks. So one of the things that we understand is the um, necessity to raise money along this journey. And so maybe, Paul, starting with you, you know, where does commercial strategy come in when we think about financing and looking for partners? It's a great question. Um, so we recently announced a successful $100 million Series A raise. And Although we, at the time we initiated it, we were early preclinical, now we're late preclinical. Um, we had a fully baked commercial strategy plan, uh, understanding what everybody said at this table. You can, you know, plan, but um, you know, we had to make certain assumptions, um, and that was really critical, I think, to the raise. And I knew that going in, we had, you know, the commercial assessments, landscape assessments, uh, and then also particular. Um, attention to certain pitfalls, particularly in regenerative medicine. So, you know, we're a gene therapy company, and I think a lot of uh, companies have shown really great proof of concept in uh, clinic, but not been able to commercialize because of manufacturing. So we paid very close attention to developing a commercial manufacturing process up front, and that was, you know, really important to, to the investors. And I think it was, you know, a, a very uh, strong contributor to why we were able to have a successful raise so early. Well, and congratulations on that Thank raise. You. And then maybe just kind of head nod from the group. Um, have most of you, when you're putting that commercial strategy together in those early days, um, are you bringing all those people on? Or are they consultants? Uh, consultants, yes? N nobody's bringing them on full time. I think, I think, a, I think a mix, right? So. <laughs> I think there's a role for consultants, but you have key roles that you're only going to get the best output from people that are vested truly in your business, right? Mm -hmm. So very thoughtful about how you stage bringing people on, but, you know, at the end of the day, a consultant's never going to do what somebody on the team is going to do, and I think that's an important distinction. So something like a reimbursement head or somebody that's running medical affairs, those, those roles are so critical. Um, and not to sound negative, I wouldn't trust anybody but uh, you know, a genuine team member to run those. And that's an opportunity to get great talent in early that can help shape and adjust your strategies as you go on. Yeah, and I think as you mentioned earlier, also helps set the culture. 
of the company? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Adam, how about um, at Trucara, um, or even before in past lives, um, where did commercial strategy play in that ability to attract financing? Well, it, I'm probably in a little bit different situation because I worked for a large strategic at Alcon for so many of my years, um, commercializing products and portfolios. Uh, and now I'm, you know, the last three years in the smaller startup and um, small cap space. Um, so I don't know that I'm, I'm the best person to ask about that mm -hmm. because thankfully at Alcon, the financing was always there, ready to go. <laughs> um, but uh, certainly now, you know, I, I'm, that's a side of the world I'm, I'm learning a little bit more as we're looking at, you know, various partnerships and debt and equity options and things like that. But uh, ask me that in a couple more years. You got it. Absolutely. Carrie, anything to add there? I mean, we're, we're in the process of uh, raising our first round of institutional funding. And I think, you know, the markets today are even tougher than they have been in the past. And commercial strategy is even more and more important because uh, investors want to invest, you know, later. Uh, so seeing a really tight and sound commercial strategy is really important. You can have the best, you know, product in the world. But if you don't have the right commercial strategy to, uh, to execute it, you can't reach the forecast numbers that uh, that, that that you project, um, and I think something I said before uh, that's important. You know, you only get the chance to launch once, so you need to do it right. And I think that's why a really robust uh, commercial strategy is critical. Absolutely. We'll just go down the line, Aziz. Yeah. So I had the good fortune of coming into Tarsus while it was still private, and helped with uh, the Series B, subsequent MES, and then the IPO, and then post IPO, we've done a couple rounds. So we've been in the throes of you know, fueling the, the recent launch, as, as, you, as you're, you're familiar with about that. Um, and I would say that the most important learning I've had in that process is how to evolve the story around your strategy, right? The strategy is going to evolve, but, you know, if I think back to when I was helping the team with the Series B, it's, you know, is there a there there? We're helping define a new market. That evolves to, okay, tell us more about how you're going to activate this market. Um, tell us about how it's going to get paid for. So this evolution, and now it's, uh, you're in the market, and the story's changing to how is this early success we're having with the XDMB launch, how is that going to translate to real long-term value creation? So I, I think there's a very important part there of understanding the strategy and then helping the management team get the story out and evolving that story as you move through the different phases of your pre-commercial and then launch phase. Fantastic. Todd, have you had that opportunity to... Uh, not really, to be honest. It's, um, you know, quite different Count for yourself us. lucky. Yeah. <laughs> a small bit, um, I think, uh, Nick Pliam was up from um, Daechung uh, Capital, and they were one of uh, the investors as well as others as well. But, you know, you know, we've been on the market for a little bit, and I think the most recent uh, influx of uh, uh, money coming in was really to support our R&D efforts. So a little bit different, you mm -hmm. know, than everyone else that's on our, our panel. Perfect. So this is really dangerous. Um, we're actually ahead of schedule, um, so applause. Um, although this is really an amazing group of commercial experts. So if there are any questions um, for anybody out there, we're happy to take a question. Otherwise, we can conclude for the evening. Any questions? All right. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate I have a request. it. Oh, yes. Craig, you're going to bring the theme music back next year, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Walk up music. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.